0: Mzanzi's famous boor goat breed, sought after for their adaptability, good maternal instincts and meat production, is world-renowned. In this edition, we unpack goat farming basics, a look into genetics and herd building. Now, rabies is 100% fatal, but also 100% preventable. In our One Health campaign with Vuyokazi Macapella, a director at AfriVet, we focus on rabies awareness, how to identify it, and how it can be prevented, plus tips for Mzanzi's agri-communities. In our Agripreneur 101, we meet Liviwe Finga, the founder of Amafemvulu, a skincare brand. Now, believe it or not, but a near-death experience, sparked her business idea our book of the week is that will never work by mark randolph and our farmer top of the week comes from zama shongwe bootle farmers academy's finance and business director this is farmers
1: inside track supported by food from zanzi inspiration for your business and life from south africa's farmers and agripreneurs
0: Hey, I'm Zanzi, and welcome to episode 130 of Farmers Inside Track. I'm your host, Dawn Numdu. Now, in this edition, we focus on goat farming basics. We're looking into genetics and herd building. Nicole Ludolf chats to Justin Ziruni. His farming enterprise, Zazo Burgoats, breeds Burgoats and Red Kalahari goats, and he joins us now to share all the basics for new farmers.
1: Thank you so much, Dawn. Justin, do you mind telling us a bit about yourself?
2: How did you get into goat farming? It was more by accident rather than by design. We had started out farming as vegetable farmers, and it was in the quest of trying to get additional land to expand the vegetable farming enterprise that we're running. I went out to Limpopo, went around with an agent who was showing me some potential farms I could acquire. And when I arrived at this farm, I saw the potential that it had for goat farming, having been exposed to some goat farming operations when I was growing up through my uncle. Our start was a little bit rocky because we got poor quality breeding stock to start with. And it was only after exposure to seasoned breeders in the poor goat industry that they showed me... What quality was that? I took the decision to actually sell all the goats that we'd acquired and start building the quality stock that has formed the foundation of the flock that we have now. It was a tough decision because we literally had to sell every goat that we had and start afresh, but I think that decision was the best one because today we still carry on with using the same philosophy that it's not about the numbers, it's not about quantity, it's more about the quality when it comes to breeding, especially when you're a stud breeder. It's about the bloodlines, it's about the pedigree of your animals, it's about the genetics.
1: What kind of infrastructure does one need to start farming with goats?
2: The biggest things that goats need is protection from the elements. So you need to protect your goats from cold weather as well as any intense rain. And to ensure that happens, we build some god sheds. We are lucky that in Limpopo, where we farm, the rainfall is not that heavy, as well the winters are not that harsh. So we really provide shelter for the god kids or the lambs that are born when they're still too young, because those are the ones that need the most warmth. So we make sure that we provide shelter for those. But for the other goats, they thrive because the weather is not that harsh in terms of the rainfall and cold weather. They actually like sleeping in the open, even though we've got sheds to accommodate them. But if you are farming in a quite cold area, you need to then make sure that you provide shelter for your goats, where you need to then pen them at night and ensure that they are protected from the elements. The other important aspect with goats is obviously the security aspect. Goes without saying that when you're farming with livestock, they are vulnerable to stock theft. So you need to make sure that you provide infrastructure that prevents access onto your farm and protects your gods from thieves and also from jackals. They really cause a menace to god breeders. Having jackal proof fence really helps. I also have some Anatolian shepherd dogs that protect the goat flock from any jackals. They also act as a security barrier at night as well because they are with the goats 24-7. Over and above the goat shelter, you also need to provide drinking troughs, feeding troughs, and other infrastructure that enables you to handle the goats. You need to have a crush pen and other pens that enable you, when you want to handle the goats, to handle them without subjecting them to stress.
1: What are some of the basics an aspiring goat farmer needs to know about
2: herd building? The first thing that they need to know is what herd do they want to run? they want to run a stud herd or do they want to run a commercial herd? Because that decision determines the quality of goats that they need to then acquire, as well as breeding program to follow. With your stud breeding, you really need to separate your doors or ewes from your rams or bucks because you really need to track each and every mating as well as every offspring to actually be able to tell who the specific dam and sire are for that kid that is born. Whereas in a commercial operation where the objective is to raise goats for meat, that might not be as important. So you can have numerous bucks running with numerous females. Then the second aspect that you need to consider is the ratio between your bugs and your doors. You want to ensure that you give each door a good chance of mating with a bug or a ram, so the ratio becomes important. The recommended ratio is one bug for every 25 doors. But in some operations, that ratio can be pushed up to 30 or even in some instances as high as 50. But I guess if you're starting, it's always safer to start with the 1 is to 20 or 1 is to 25. is a safe ratio to use. If you were building ahead, that's where I would say you'd need to start thinking over and above quality of the goats that you get becomes important because I follow the philosophy that you breed quality based on if you're breeding the backs and doors that are quality to breed quality as well. You actually get offspring from what you breed. The quality of your offspring is dependent on the quality of your parental stock.
1: Can you tell us a bit about goat genetics and what farmers should be looking out for when they buy goats?
2: Genetics are the cornerstone of any goat breeding that you want to do. And this is why I would rather invest in, spend a bit more in terms of quality genetics, because whatever you sow is what you reap, and the same applies to your genetics. Whatever genetics you breed with, those genetics are what is passed on to your offspring. So you really need to do careful selection of what bloodlines you want to farm with, and also what certain characteristics you want actually to pass on to the kids. Genetics are important even within a breed, and bloodlines are important within a breed because, like in farming with poor goats, like I do, I need certain characteristics to be passed on to the offspring, and I need to then select the best parental stock that will actually produce those particular characteristics in my offspring. I've realized that you can't really cut corners when it comes to superior genetics, you just have to make the investment. When you make the investment in genetics, you will get the payback in terms of the offspring that you get that you can then sell off to the market. And it actually helps you market your goats because quality sells quick. And if you breed quality, especially in a stud breeding setup, you will not struggle to sell goats.
1: Goats are known to be pretty resilient, but what kind of diseases are they vulnerable to?
2: Most of these diseases can be prevented through vaccination. We vaccinate our goats on a regular basis with Multivax P+, and also vaccinate females against anesthetic abortion. So those are some of the common vaccines that we use. One of the other things that affects goats are worms. And it's then important that you run a deworming program where you essentially dose your goats on a regular basis. When we started, we used to dose the entire head, but we've now moved to using the farmature scoring method of determining which goats need to be dewormed. And we only vaccinate those goats that have farmature scores that indicate that they need deworming. And we've adopted that practice because there's resistance that can happen when you indiscriminately use certain dewormers. So to prevent that resistance, we only deworm the goats that need deworming. Part of the operations that we have, we rely on having expertise from specialists like vets who help us run our head management process from a health perspective. They advise if there are any new emerging diseases that we should be on the lookout for and also in terms of vaccination and deworming programs. The disease that wreaks the most havoc is hot water because I farm in a hot water area in Modemole. Hot water is a tick-borne disease and spread by species of ticks called the bond tick. Hot water is so deadly that once exposed to hot water ticks, you can lose your goats quite quickly. It's important that you follow tick control protocol that involves dipping the goats. If you are getting any goats that are not from a hot water area, that you follow a blocking program.
1: Lastly, do you have any tips or pieces of advice for aspiring goat farmers? What should they keep in mind before they start?
2: First thing that I would say is research on gods, develop a passion for gods. I Think, sleep, drink, do anything related to gods because I'm passionate about gods and that spares me to research a lot about them and read a lot about them. When you acquire as much knowledge as possible through reading, visit other established goat farmers, go to auctions, See what quality of gods are sold at auctions and how the market works. Acquire gods and start. That's also one important aspect. You don't need to start big. Start with a few gods. Learn the ropes as you go. And as you learn more and more about them, you then make adjustments. You can add to your flock because if you were to acquire a big flock without necessarily knowing how to take care of the gods, might actually end in tears. So have incremental growth and make adjustments as you go. It is a lucrative business. It has to be run like a business for you to achieve success in it.
0: Thanks, Nicole. And great having you, Justin Ziruni. His farming enterprise, Zazo Burgoats, breeds burgoats and kalahari goats. And you can also read his inspiring story on www.foodformzanzi.co.za. We now switch things up from goat farming to animal health. Now, rabies, as I mentioned in my introductions, is 100% fatal but also 100% preventable. In our One Health campaign with Vuyo Kazimakapella, a director at AfriVet, we focus on rabies awareness. We share ways how to identify it, how it can be prevented, plus tips for Mzanzi's agri-communities. What is the current Mm -hmm. status in Mzanzi? Can you start with an overview as we get into the conversation?
3: It is so good to be back, John. Thank you for having me again. Rabies is a viral disease that's transmitted in saliva of infected animals, and obviously, animals that can be affected are mammals. The most animals that are commonly affected are dogs and cats. Any mammal, basically, we've seen it in lions, honey badgers, sheep, and baboons, etc. Because it is a zoonotic disease, it can also affect humans. The most common ways of getting the disease is via wounds, licks, scratch. Or any contact with the saliva of a rabid animal.
0: Now, we've seen a number of reports on rabies outbreaks, and it's currently escalating at a rapid pace. What is the reason behind this? You know, we can prevent rabies in animals and
3: indirectly in humans, and the only way is to actually vaccinate dogs and cats. What happened in the past two years because of COVID, people became complacent because they didn't leave their houses, so they didn't vaccinate their dogs and cats. Once it comes from the wildlife or interface, Somagons and jacol, then it gets into contact with your dogs and cats. Then they get infected. If they were vaccinated, they wouldn't get sick. But because there wasn't any vaccinations done in the past two years, there was no protection against the virus. And that's the reason for the escalation, really. But how do we prevent it? You've highlighted that once an outbreak occurs, it is extremely difficult to contain it if a large percentage of the animal population isn't vaccinated. And the statistics that came out in April this year, cumulatively, there's been about four human rabies cases for 2022. And we've confirmed that in South Africa, the cases are reported in the Eastern Cape, where we had two people in the Nestleman Bay and one person in KwaZulu-Natal and one person in Limpopo. Probably there's been rabies deaths as well in the Tambo District Municipality, in the Amatola districts and in the Eastern Cape. But I think the latter involved children beaten by suspected rabid dogs and rabies PEP, which is your post-exposure provexas, was not sought on time. And this is critical. But I think we'll talk to that later. And I'm hoping that we will. But I think that was the case basically for all the deaths that we've experienced in the country.
0: Now, you said that vaccination is key when it comes to prevention of rabies. What happens when an outbreak occurs? Is it extremely difficult to contain if a large percentage of the animals or population isn't vaccinated? What should farmers know and also what should the general public understand about this?
3: Vaccination of dogs remains a key preventative measure to managing rabies. Our farmers in general make sure that their dogs and cats are vaccinated. There's a vaccination protocol in South Africa, and by law, your dogs and cats must be vaccinated at least. And vaccination starts at about three months of age, so puppies and kittens three months of age, then a month later, then every three years need to be vaccinated. In areas like the Eastern Cape where we have very bad outbreaks, Eastern Cape and KZN, we would recommend that vaccinate annually so that you don't forget when the three months is up and you know your animals are protected. It is the only thing that you can do. Farmers in the area with lots of rabies like KZN and your Eastern Cape, they can vaccinate their cattle, sheep and horses, but It's really not mandatory.
0: Let's talk more about protocol. What happens when someone is exposed to a rabies animal? For me, exposure means that
3: you have been beaten, scratched or licked by a dog or any animal that is suspected to have rabies or any animal that shows a change in its behavior should be considered questionable. This would include a dog or tame animal that has suddenly become aggressive or changed its behavior. For instance, a wild animal that has suddenly become tame, the following protocol should immediately be followed. First, you would need to wash your wound with soap and water, running water, for about 10 to 15 minutes to flush out the virus and saliva in the wound. And then you would need to seek medical assistance immediately. Tell the medical practitioner that you have been bitten by a dog with suspect rabies. It is important to contact your state vet immediately so that they can examine the dog or cat to make sure that the animal indeed has rabies. Keep track of where the animal is. The animal will then be sent for euthanizing if needs be, if it is not vaccinated. And then the exposed person must receive post prophylactic treatment, the PEP, depending on what kind of exposure. So it's important that a medical person categorizes your exposure. You can start with vaccinations. And if it's category three, for instance, where blood was drawn, let's say you were bitten or scratched and there's blood in the wound, you would need immunoglobulins as well as the doctors and nurses will assist you with this. So just in summary, wash wounds with soap and running water for at least 10 to 15 minutes. Seek medical attention immediately and also contact your state vet to have the animal inspected as soon as possible.
0: Thank you so much, Vuyo. I think you've given us a lot to think about and a lot to consider when it comes to rabies awareness. Is there any comments you'd like to add in closing before we let you go? Final tips is to vaccinate, vaccinate,
3: vaccinate your dogs and cats. Rabies is 100% fatal. Rabies is 100% preventable. And the state has these companies and they provide vaccines for free. So grab this opportunity with both hands. And it's not only
0: limited to just rural areas, but also urban areas. Thanks so much for joining us once again. Vuyokazi Makapella, a director at AfriVet. Next up, our Agripreneur 101 features Liviwe Finga, the founder of Amafemvula, a skincare brand. Now, believe it or not, a near-death experience sparked her business idea. Liviwe, tell us about your skincare brand, how it all started. In an article on Food form Zanzi, you say that a near-death experience actually sparked this idea. In 2014,
4: I sustained and survived a near-death car accident and I had a scar on my forehead, which I struggled to accept. I struggled to get used to my facial changes and as a student, I had no money to get skin procedures that could rid the appearance of scars, especially on my face. When I started out Amafemvula, it stemmed from a different outlook where it was equally important for me to find a solution to help my face as well as many other girls who were struggling with facial changes which were not expected.
0: Now tell us about your products and have you encountered any challenges since starting out as an agripreneur?
4: So I found butter as less evasive as it is an organic oil strictly meant to heal I realized that it is a multi-product that can be used and also considered as an edible. This powerful ideal formula that we use, shea butter is infused with cocoa butter, coconut oil, black seed oil, as well as hemp oil. When blending these oils together, we add essential oils to suit the season and this jar can moisture everybody in the household while it can be considered as a medicine too. So for older people, like with issues such as arthritis, they tend to be left leaning towards synthetic products which don't make much of a difference. But when they use Amafemvula, they get rid of irregular pains where it needs to be. This product helps women whose skins have been changed by bodily phases such as pregnancy and breastfeeding. Unrefined shea butter keeps the skin looking young as well as allows it to produce collagen on its own. It stimulates the tissue cells and possesses soothing, moisturizing, and nourishing properties. Unrefined shea butter is a chemical-free alternative which is vastly growing around households. Amafimvula helps heal owing to this ability for people to be comfortable. So it is raw and unrefined shea butter and it is useful for treating acne, anti-aging, dry and itchy skin, chapped lips, frostbite, psoriasis, rashes, stretch marks, and sunburn. amafemvula solely relies on my income. Also, the product needs to come to people where they don't have doubt. So most of the time, when we speak to people about this product, they have a sense of doubt. People have never seen a product that shows results in less than 14 days so they also take the product as a gamble on their money and we try to fight that every day but i believe if i do something that advances me each time then it can also help them
0: and then finally what keeps you motivated or inspired
4: i'm simply motivated by my progress in any way it matters not where i am or what i'm doing but i believe if i do something that advances me each time then i've done my part My days are made out of an eight to five work schedule where I'm signing up people for debt review, but that keeps me going because I'm proud of my influence upon something.
0: And then, do you have any tips for others who'd like to follow in your footsteps? Find a primary
4: source of income that will benefit you and others. Keep on investing in your company because this is how businesses die out. People do not have a consistent cash influx to keep businesses afloat. So, sell your product off social media as well. In other words, be a straight guerrilla, have faith in everything and remain humble throughout all the challenges.
0: Thank you so much for joining us once again. Livewe Finga, the founder of a skincare brand, Ama Next up, and before we let you go, our book of the week is That Will Never Work by Mark Randolph. Free State Farmer Bukule Jack reviews this book for us.
5: As we all know, farming is possibly one of the riskiest business ventures anyone could decide to get into. Whether it is climate change, escalating in costs, fluctuating prices, inconsistent electricity supply, droughts, lack of funding and financing, or scarce market opportunities, it is in no doubt a very risky industry. That will never work is a first hand account from Netflix's former CEO and founder, Mark Randolph, on how one of the world's most successful entertainment companies became what it is today. The book takes us through the birth of Netflix, the designing and building of the platform, the staff and personnel that made Netflix successful early on, and the subsequent decision to let go of some of that staff and personnel, the early failures and successes of Netflix, including a possible merger with Amazon, and his decision to step down as CEO and hand over the reins to his beloved company that he helped build from scratch so that it may continue to grow. This book tackles issues every single entrepreneur will have to encounter on their journey to success from coming up with an idea, creating a strategy or product, getting funding, getting the operational aspects of the business going, making a profit, losing money, pivoting and starting over, making money again, and eventually upscaling and growing. It details how Mark and his team enjoyed failure after failure, but did not give up. Agriculture is entrepreneurship, and I found that this book helped me on my ongoing journey in farming. This book is a great read for any farmer that views a farming operation as a business that should succeed and make profit like any other industry. Most of us are in farming to create jobs, help with food security, and because we are passionate about farming. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't learn some fundamental strategies on success and how to bounce back from setbacks.
2: Agriculture is not just about farming. It's about caring. And that's an ideal worth preserving. It's yummy. It's good for you. And the whole family loves it. It's Grain-Filled Chickens, proudly South African and mouth-wateringly delicious. Discover a world of tasty goodness and visit Grain-Filled Chickens, the CO.ZE, or like our Facebook page for more. Grain-Filled Chickens, a proud member of VKB. VKB, for the love of the land.
0: Now remember if you'd like to review a book or perhaps you have a book suggestion feel free to email us at info at And before we let you go, our Farmer Tip of the Week comes from Zama Shongwe, Putkule Farmers Academy's Finance and Business Director.
4: One thing that never goes out of fashion for farmers is around data integration and the use of data. Once a farmer knows how to farm and they are trained in that, applying the things that they've learned when they go back to their farm always seems to be a challenge. And one of those things is applying information that they gather around their farms and using that to tell a historical story and predict the future for their farms. So we're looking at vital, accurate data that can tell you, for instance, rainfall patterns, that can tell you how much you sold, sales versus profit, that can tell you which of the commodities is actually your best-performing one, and integrating that into maybe putting an app on a cloud-based system so that you never lose it, to understand your farm backwards and forwards at all times.
0: Now that's really a dynamic woman in agriculture, and her Farmer Top of the Week, brings us to the end of another exciting episode. Remember, if you loved it, please rate it and share it with your friends, family members, and fellow farmers. From Ido Numdu, Nicole Ludov, our producer, Megan van der and the rest of the Food for Mzansi team have an awesome week. Bye for now. Life in South Africa can be a lot.
1: I mean, scroll through Twitter for minutes and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right?